Hi there, and welcome back to Music Therapy and Beyond. In the last episode, I mentioned a break that we had taken on the podcast for the month of August because we were cooking up some very exciting things. Today, we are so excited to share one of those things, um, which is actually a person. We are growing so much that we have brought on another therapist, Haley Shin. Haley, welcome to Giving Song and welcome to Music Therapy and Beyond. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I know that you've already been hard at work and you've been with us for just a little bit now, but our listeners don't know you and they haven't heard from you yet. So I'm very excited for them to get to know you here and hear a little bit about where you come from, um, what experiences you've had, and just some of your wisdom and who you are. So with that, let's get to it. Great. Give us um, a little information on your educational background and clinical experience. What kind of brought you to where you are today? Yes. I did my undergrad at the University of Missouri, Kansas City. I'm originally from Kansas City, so I didn't make it very far away when I went to college, which actually is the opposite of what I wanted to do. Some people are like, oh my gosh, so nice. You like stay close to home. I'm like, no, I never went home. I like, I mean, I loved home, but... I'm like, mm -mm, I'm in college. I'm like hanging out with my friends, doing my own thing, being independent. And I graduated and then I left home. And I did my internship out in West Virginia, which is maybe not a state that a lot of people would think like, whoa, I'm going to move to West Virginia and start working <laughs> and do my internship. So excited. But I had gone on a... Uh, what do you call that? A study abroad trip with Dr. Dina Register through the University of Kansas. And we went to Thailand and I loved it. It was an amazing experience. And wow. I could like do a whole podcast on just that. But um, And maybe you will someday because <laughs> I want to hear about that. <laughs> so great. So many valuable lessons. And Dina and I had grown just close and connected on that trip that she was leading. And she had moved out to West Virginia University and at just the time that I was looking for internships, and she said, how about you come join me out in West Virginia, and we'll grow some stuff together, increase the access to services, see clients, develop some programs. And I said, I'm in. So I moved out to West Virginia, did my internship, and stayed there for three years. Um, and then after those three years, I moved to Colorado the other side of the country, and just actually finished my master's in music therapy through Colorado State University. And the variety of clinical experience from my time in West Virginia as well as time in Colorado, most of which has been with kiddos and teens with neurologic and developmental disabilities, but have also either led sessions or supervised sessions with stroke and rehab elder care, and a little bit of mental health. That's so cool. What a great story. And yeah, if you ever get a phone call from Dina Register and she says, hey, you want to do something? The answer should always be yes. Yes. <laughs> I have had many of those phone calls. She's like, so I'm thinking about this thing we're going to do. What do you think? 
yes, Dina, I'm yes. in. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, so cool. So Haley, how did you get into music therapy in the first place? I love, I love this question because, um, everybody answers it differently. And a lot of people are still like, oh, isn't music therapy a new thing? And it's like, actually, a lot of people know about it, but how did you get into it? Yes. I do laugh every time that happens. They're like, oh my gosh, like music therapy. So it's like a new thing. I'm like, how do I gently tell you that it's not? (laughs) How well do I know you and how much can I correct you in this moment? Right. So I found out about music therapy. It was first introduced in high school. My mom at the time was working with a in in a special education early childhood classroom. And they had a music therapist actually from KU who was doing groups with the class. Oh, and cool. my mom came home one day from school and I, I think I was like a sophomore or junior, and she was like, Oh my gosh, Haley there's a music therapist and music therapy and it's cool and you should do it and you'd be so great at it. It'll be so much fun. And like, you need to check this out and this is going to be your job and you're going to do this and it's going to be amazing. And I was like, um, obviously as like a approximately 16 year old, I was like, don't tell me what to do with my life, mom. I know what I'm doing. (laughs) And then secretly like behind her back, I was like, like, what is music therapy? Videos of music therapy. <laughs> like, doing all this research. I'm like, wait, what is this thing? It right. actually sounds kind of cool. And I then, like, reluctantly came to her a few weeks later. I was like, do we know a music therapist? I could, like, shadow and, like, check this thing out. So kind this of, thing. Yeah, you, you talked right. about that. Um, <laughs> I want to know more. And so we did. We went and shadowed a music therapist who was at an early learning center for kids with a variety of disabilities, and I watched 30 minutes of a group session, 30-minute individual session, chatted with a therapist for a few minutes. I walked out. My mom was like, how was it? And I was like, this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. That was the coolest thing ever. (laughs) And here we are today. And I remember, like, then going to my first, like, intro to music therapy class. I'm like, I know what music therapy is. Like, I watch sessions. I'm informed. (laughs) I did research. And they were like, you can do music therapy with stroke what? You can do music therapy in hospice care. What? You can do music therapy. Like all these other places that it was like, there's so much more to this than those 60 minutes that I watched. A whole (laughs) new world. Basically. (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, that's so fun. Well, I'm glad that you listened to your mom. um, I know. It's so great. She loves that story. She's like, yes, I was right. Mom's always right. <laughs> like, okay. What was I? I was right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So, okay. So that's your educational and your clinical background. Tell me, tell us, like, three things that you like to do in your free time. Just tell me a little bit about you as a person. I love to travel. I love to travel anywhere, internationally, nationally, within the state that I'm living in, which right now is Missouri. Um, I just love traveling, and I will do a lot in order to travel. I have some friends that are very much like, wait, you did what this weekend? I'm like, yeah, I drove 10 hours to go to this place so I could see it and have a fun day on Saturday and drive 10 hours back on Sunday. And they're like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, it's (laughs) worth it. It's totally worth it for me. And actually, my husband and I have a goal to visit all of the national parks in the United States. 
So we're working on that list. And I love just like being outdoors, camping, hiking. Um, We're into snow sports and water sports, snowboarding, wakeboarding, water skiing, stuff like that. I also love board games, any kind of game. We have two like barrels full of games (laughs) and we just got married couple months ago now and we had a lot of games on our registry that like we haven't had time to like yet play and I'm like who wants to come over and play board games because I have new ones I'm always <laughs> down for a game and very 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 competitive okay so As we've been warning. warned I've been <laughs> if warned we get, if we get invited over for game night at Haley's house you're going down yeah yeah I don't <laughs> there's no like oh it's your first time playing this game good luck <laughs> yeah it's it's still good. fun though. We keep it fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. I'm sure. Just good to know. I'm just tucking that away in the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so, in addition to all of your music therapy work and your travel and your barrels full of board <laughs> games, um, you are also a business owner. So, tell us a little bit about that because I want our listeners to check out the really cool stuff that you've already been doing for years. Yes, I am one of the co-owners of Music Therapy Made Simple, and it is this little brainchild of my friend Katie and I's. We lived together in West Virginia, actually, and then both left West Virginia to go to grad school. And in the middle of grad school, we both had the same idea, like in the same weekend, but like separately, like I had this idea of like, I should make this business that does X, Y, and Z. And then she had that same idea. And I called her for advice about it on Monday. And she was like, are you kidding me? I was literally thinking about this all weekend. And then it was born and we love, love, love what we do. If you have never owned a music therapy business, there's a lot to it, or any kind of business, there's a lot to it, and you have to love it. So I was just telling someone recently, I was like, I'm going to start a business. I'm like, you have to make sure that you love it. If you're not passionate about it, it's not going to be worth it. And it is something that we are very passionate about because we get to help music therapists. As music therapists, a lot of times we help our clients. We help the people that we're working with, or we help also empower the parents or other professionals, physicians guardians, so like who else is also working with these individuals and we help them, but we don't always have resources to get help for ourselves. And that's what Music Therapy Made Simple does. And we have resources and materials for music therapists to use in sessions and also offer supervision services too, because you get out of school and a lot of people are working on their own. This team here at Giving Song is like amazing and <laughs> unfortunately is not the norm. There's a lot of music therapists. Yeah. We're the only music therapist in their facility. And especially after my time in West Virginia, I realized there's a lot of music therapists who are the only therapists like in like a multi-hour range. And it's like, oh, yeah. there's like no one around me. So that's one of the things that we're super passionate about is just like helping music therapists work through some of that because sometimes you don't have other people who are right around you and you have these problems and you want to solve them and you want to work through them and it just helps to have another brain or two to dig into that and Absolutely. we love it. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's really, really fun. 
And it's just different kinds of challenges. Like you have challenges as a music therapist and like, you know, how am I going to fit this need of my client or how am I going to get creative with this? And it's the same kind of stuff. It's just with different problems. How am I going to meet these needs and get creative with the way that we can serve our community? Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you like challenges and you are not afraid to take them head on. And um, I think you are very well suited to address challenges in your work and different um, facets of your work. But I wanted to ask, what gets you fired up about music therapy? What is it? Is it a certain type of population? Is it a certain moment? Is it seeing something? Um, yeah, what 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 gets you fired up? I love seeing what music does. Like, in the moment, because it, it can be with anyone. I am particularly passionate about working with kids and adolescents, but it can be with anyone and seeing like, oh my gosh, music is amazing, and it did that. And of course, I have a I have a role in what I'm bringing to that table, but there's so much that I'm not responsible for because music did it and in the way that yep. it just is processed in the brain and the things that it can elicit and the ways that it can help in like the learning and the teaching and the producing of different skills. And it's like, oh my gosh, which keeps me like super passionate about it. And I like love advocacy because I think everyone should see it. And if they see it, then they go, oh, I, I get, get it. it. I get it. Yeah. Now. You see that and light bulb moment yes. almost. Because that, that's what it is for me too. And I, like, especially like on, I've had a long day and then something happens in a session and it's like music was there and music was the catalyst to fuel whatever it was that just happened. And I'm like, gosh. This is why I do the work. This is why I stay here because my clients are amazing. They teach me so many different things and I get to just have fun with music all day long and see what kind of magic it produces. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And it gets me fired up hearing you talk about what you're fired up about. And that is a, why supervision is important because music therapists are not islands. So if you don't have supervision, you need to get in touch with Haley. Um, (laughs) but two, that's why I love the team at giving song because I feel like every time I get to just like talk to any one of y'all or like all of us get together it just is like ah there's just so much good energy to be exchanged there Mm -hmm. and I think that's so important um so you mentioned that you're particularly passionate about early childhood and working with adolescents but could you just give us kind of like a brief summary of like what your job is here at Giving Song and what you're looking forward to bringing to the table yeah I am right now doing most of my caseload is working in the schools, seeing kids on their IEPs, so for music therapy as a related service, which I love because I'm, I don't know, at some point in my like undergrad education, I was like, I think all kids like who need it need to have music therapy on their IEP and I'm going to help make that happen which I was just so blessed to do in West Virginia and be able to create some of those programs. And so I've loved hopping in here and starting in with some of the schools. But I'm also doing a few groups with early childhood, which is another just like love of mine. I just love littles. 
any kind of littles, like just like seeing pictures <laughs> of little kids, total strangers, <laughs> I don't care, like I'm all about it. And getting to like create music with them and have these experiences is just like such an honor. So I'm here to like support in the service delivery of that, but also try and just help grow things. Um, I'm just, I'm super passionate about increasing that access to service. And it's obviously not for everyone. And I'll be the first to say that I've turned away clients before. I've terminated services. I've had music therapy taken off of IEPs, things where I'm like, it's not, it's not for them. But when it is for them, like, I'm going to fight. And I'm really excited to get to know the community here, not just like our music therapy community. Obviously, that's a different one, but get to know the greater community of this town here and like, where else can we be and how can we make that happen so more clients are getting services that they need? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so good. I don't, I'm sure our listeners can feel the contagious energy that you bring to this team. And I love that. So since this is our clinical segment, um, I want us to have a chance to kind of learn from some of the experiences that you are bringing to the table, because obviously you have, um, you have a wealth of rich experience that you're bringing to us here at Giving Song, but more importantly, that you're bringing to Columbia and Mid-Missouri because that's what it's about. So first question, um, because this is something that we've kind of talked about at various points on our show, but I want to know, what do you do to stay inspired both with work, but also with your personal music life? Because this can be a struggle sometimes. So what do you do? Yeah. So personally, my husband also came from a music family and loves making music. And he really helps me in still like keeping that personal music part alive. (laughs) Cause I think it's so easy for us to just be like, I can't. And especially when I was in West Virginia, I was traveling to homes and traveling to schools and I served a lot of different counties. And so almost half of my work week was in the car and I was not listening to music 20 hours a week in the car. I, I couldn't. Yeah. I love podcasts, became very passionate about podcasts in that job. And sometimes it was then easy for me to just not do music. Music was a work thing. Music was not a home thing. So it really helps that Alex is there to be like, let's play some music and let's have some fun and create this. And sometimes I need to like a little more like prodding to be like, come on, Ailey, you can do it. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, you're right. We should do music. So that really helps me. And also just having music that is like, my music that I protect. And for me personally, it's a lot of like contemporary or like hymn based Christian music that I don't use a lot in sessions, um, almost ever. And that's like my music and creating boundaries around that too, where that's not like quote unquote tainted by my job and not that yeah I I still love music that I like play in sessions and play with clients there's still some songs that I like adore but it's like but when I have this I know that like this is mine this is my space and just giving myself time every once in a while for that because that also helps me in my professional life if I'm like rejuvenated and if I've taken breaks and I'm not like overworking the music aspect of it then I am better professionally and also just taking time outside of my job. When I first started, it was so easy for me to work 
every evening to work on the weekends. I wasn't seeing clients on the weekends or anything, but I was doing paperwork and documenting and session planning and just not having a lot of super clear boundaries. And like, I'll be the first to admit, like, I'm a workaholic. I'm real good at that. And for the most part, it's like not a huge problem. It's not like, oh, this is like super detrimental to me. But when I really do take those breaks, I come back and like, I'm inspired from going on a great hike or having a walk or hanging out with friends. And I'm like, okay, I can breathe. I can see things differently. And I'm going to be better this week because I'm was able to take care of myself this weekend, I can be better for my clients. So taking those yeah. breaks, setting aside that time to like rest and relax outside of music and to rest inside of music really it helps me all around. Oh my goodness. Yes. And the key word to everything that you said that I also have found to be true is boundaries. <laughs> boundaries are always like in life. They're so important. But figuring out what those need to be for yourself, I think, is huge, especially with the music, because music, like, obviously, we went into this career because music means something to us. We get something out of it. It's special. It's significant to us. That's why we want to use it to help people. Um, It's also everywhere, and it's really (laughs) difficult to, like, turn that off. And I um, was actually reading... I don't remember the exact quote, but I was reading the Oxford Handbook of Music Therapy this week for a class, and it was um, there was a quote about how um, you can close your eyes, but you can never turn off your ears like sound. You mm. can't shut sound off. And so finding those boundaries for music, it's really difficult. You know, you might be walking through the mall and you hear a song and it triggers a memory from a really tough session that you had with a client, and there's nothing you can do about that. But you can protect the music that you choose to bring into a session, um, and there are ways you can get creative about that. So I think that's huge because that's something that I've also had to figure out pretty quickly, pretty early on, because I was like, there's too much, you know, it's it's just there are things you have to protect. Um, So that's And if you're listening to this and you're like, what are boundaries? Or I don't need boundaries, or that's not me. Or you're like, I should have uh, boundaries and I haven't figured them out. Like, it's okay. Some of, the, some of that takes time. Like, I didn't have a, a lot of my boundaries that I have now. I didn't have when I first began because I just yeah. didn't know. Like, something almost yeah. has to go wrong or it has to then feel wrong or you do it for a while and then you change and go, wait a minute. I like option B <laughs> better than option A. Uh-huh. Now I understand myself better and, my, and myself as a professional, like, especially you're coming from school, like, there are, like, no boundaries in school. And boundaries that I'd set no. professionally, I went back to grad school, they all went out the window. Everything looked yeah. so different. And now I'm resetting those boundaries, not that I've all done with that. I'm back into the working professional life. It's like, okay, I have to set these again. And that looks different for every single person. Yes. And we did a segment on it actually recently on Instagram with Music Therapy Made Simple. And it was so cool reading different people's boundaries because I was like, oh, that's not a boundary of mine. And that's not something that I need. In others, that I was like, oh, I've never even thought about setting that as a boundary. Whether yeah. that's like a personal, like, I don't check my email on the weekends. Or a, I make sure that I am able to play music for an hour a week. Whatever that looks like for that particular person. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. But it also can be like an intimidating talk because people are like, I don't know what my boundaries are. And it's okay. Yeah. They, they develop. They develop over time as things and part for of, you. Absolutely. And part of the boundaries that I have put up are 
because I didn't have them. And it's not that it was a mistake, but it was a learning experience that Mm -hmm. led me to set those boundaries because it's like, you know, it didn't feel good when I didn't have them up or, you know, something happened. And in hindsight, it's like, huh, maybe if on the front end I had done X, then a Y wouldn't have happened or Mm -hmm. it wouldn't have put me in this situation. (laughs) You know, so a lot of that is just trial and error. And it's always can be sometimes, I guess I should say not always, but can be somewhat of a moving target. Like you said, depending on where you're at and your phase of life and career and education. Um, And that's a conversation that I feel like I did not have enough of when I was in undergrad. Um, Like until, until I was like a working professional in a really wonderful practice that prioritized that it Mm -hmm. was not something that I was taught about. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's not common in, in the dialogue. And I've, I've loved how, I think it is bleeding in more into educational yes. programs, but also just into like helping professionals everywhere. It's yeah. not not all of them. My husband is a physician and he is in his residency training program right now and basically they don't believe in boundaries, which is stupid. Um and I just absolutely ridiculous. But I think luckily in our profession and a lot of similar professions, it's people are just understanding why they're so important. And I hope that at some point boundaries will be like a common thing everywhere and everyone will understand the value of them. Work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As are um, a lot of things, but that's a pretty, <laughs> that's a pretty important one in my book. Um, so speaking of which, this kind of, leads into my next question, actually. Speaking of boundaries and inspiration, what is one of your go-to self-care activities? I love taking walks. Mm. It is just like an easy, like, stop what I'm doing, get outside, feel grounded, enjoy some sunshine, move my body, and I can go on a fast walk if I'm feeling it or a slow walk. So I like that, like, I can, you know, move that whatever way, I, whatever my body needs then. And sometimes, like, different times of the year, especially living in the middle of America, <laughs> yeah. you can't always take a walk in the middle of December or January or February. So right. I also enjoy reading. And mm. I got out of the practice a little bit more in grad school and just in the past few weeks, I've, like, picked it up again and just, like, finding books that I really like. And it just tells me, like, especially I do it, like, doing it 30 minutes to an hour before bed and just, like, sitting, reading a book, getting lost in something that's, like, not my reality and something that's also not a screen. Yes. <laughs> I I've it's just felt extra overwhelmed as... I don't know, just in things recently, and I'm like, oh, I just have so many screens, and there's always screens everywhere, and I need to step away. And so yeah, either taking a walk and getting outside or, like, picking up a book are, like, my go-tos that help keep me, like, centered. Yes. Oof, so good. Highly recommend unplugging. <laughs> just turn off all of the blue lights yes. <laughs> that seem to invade our, our existence. But Ugh, all of them. Oh, that's good. Yes. So <clears throat> I guess um, since this is a clinical episode, 
segment, and we've already given um, kind of some some really good thoughts on clinical advice and boundary setting and the importance of self-care, um, just from some of the lessons that you've learned. Um, but I want to ask specifically, because you are you have great experience working in school-based music therapy, and we're kind of at that time of year where the semester is just getting into the swing of things, and there is a new round of music therapists that are probably starting in schools for the first time, which is so exciting. So, so so exciting. (laughs) Yes, I know. It's so exciting. And it can also be really overwhelming. I remember my first semester working in the schools as a very new clinician. I was like, yay, I can't wait. But oh my gosh, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. So there's just a lot a lot to that. Or maybe there are seasoned music therapists who have just made a career change and now they're in schools for the first time and that can still feel overwhelming. Um, so what is your schools are there? Like they they can be a beast. Yes. They're, they can be like no other place, uh, that you might find music therapy or in general. Mm -hmm. So especially also coming out of, you know, we're still, very much amid slash barely coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. Like that is still an issue. I know for us just today, we have a whole other classroom of kids that are having to quarantine now, you know, it's just kind of an on and off again thing. So there's a lot going on. Um, So what is maybe one piece of advice to new clinicians or, um, new to school music therapy clinicians who may be struggling with um, their work? What is just one little tidbit of advice? It could be about anything. Yes. So if you're new to the schools, you've never worked in school-based music therapy services before, the setting is new for you no matter where you are, my first piece of advice is to spend time with the IEPs because that will just reading over your students' IEPs will answer some questions for you. And then maybe finding some other courses or resources that can offer some more education on IEPs, IEP process, SEMTAP process, all of those pieces, because that can look different than private practice and then medical settings and some other areas and settings that just do things very different from that. It's not like a super familiar process if you've never done them before. So first, spend time looking at those IEPs and digesting them. Educate yourself. And then in all of this, ask questions. Ask questions from the student's teachers. Ask questions of the administrators. Ask questions to the other therapists. And figure out the pieces that you need to know, whatever is going to help make you successful Ask questions about what they've done in the past or what's going to help this student with their education or what are the steps that they're looking for because you are on a team and sometimes, especially most music therapists that are working in schools, like they go in, they go out. They have one or two students in a school and then they leave. And so they're not seeing that team all the time. So ask questions so you can make sure you're on the same page. If some of the goals that they're working on in the school or other things that you're seeing, you just need some clarity on. Speak with the teacher. Hey, can I grab you for five minutes? I just want to make sure when you're doing X, Y, and Z in math, what is that looking like? I would love to work alongside you so I can make sure we're on the same page. I'm seeing this sensory need. Are there things that are working for you in the classroom? 
I would love to speak with the OT. Can I have their email address so I can chat with them about what other kind of accommodations or things? I mean, so there's tons of questions that you could be asking and ask those. If you need additional support, reach out for supervision, but always start there with the teachers and the people who are already on the team. What's working? What's not working? What are you seeing when I'm not there? Because especially those classroom teachers, they're with them like all day long and you're with them for 15 to 60 minutes a week. That's all you got. You know a very small portion about that student's school life and their environment. So don't be afraid to ask questions. You're there to help. And if you don't know things, you can't help in the best way possible. And most people are going to answer them. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. And even if they are, it's our job to ask and it's their job to answer. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that's absolutely great advice. I remember um, some of the most illuminating information I got about my students pretty early on in the school came from the school nurse. I just went up to her one day and I said, hey, what do you know about my students' trauma backgrounds? And she like opened up this whole new world of information that no one else had maybe even considered or give, shared with me. And I was like, oh my gosh, this changes a lot about what I'm doing. And this is really good to know. So, you know, yeah, ask questions. <laughs> ask them. You never know what you might find out mm-hmm. that you need to know. Yeah. So... Oof, that's really good. That's really good. But what are some of the struggles of working in school-based music therapy and how have you been able to adapt, overcome, handle those? Um, Yeah. Some of them are the same in a lot of places, advocacy and education. Yeah. So someone is referring you inappropriate students. You're like, they don't need me. And now I have to complete an assessment and I don't have time for this. Like, I want to spend time with students who need me. Yeah. Not with students who just enjoy listening to Katy Perry. There's a difference. (laughs) And so just education in that and education also in how we can collaborate together. Um, I've had a lot of people want to want to be separate and forget that, like, actually, we can work together. And there'll be some limitations, mostly from, in my experience, has been with scheduling. Speech yeah. It's like, great. I see them on Thursdays from 12 to 1230. I'm like, sounds great. I'm an hour away at that time. I'm only here on Tuesdays from 9 to 10. How does that yeah. work for you? <laughs> so there's you know, different struggles and things that you're going to be presented with. But education and advocacy and just having those conversations and just taking the time for it and being patient Also, and I think this can go in a lot of different settings too, but I see it a lot in schools where people do things their way and the way that they've always done them and they don't want to change. And Mm -hmm. I come in and this teacher has been teaching for 15 years and it's never been a problem before. Okay, but I would love like if we could collaborate or I'm seeing X, Y, and Z in the session, I bet we could do A, B, and C in the classroom And this will help their skills transfer over. It'll help them be more regulated. It'll help them learn more. And you can do more as the teacher by just incorporating these few things. And so that that can a lot of times be really tricky, especially teachers, I think, more so than some other professionals, Um, just other, like the other therapists. 
Um, not always. I worked with some fantastic teachers. This is not like a blanket statement. I worked with some amazing teachers who were like, tell me all the things I want to be doing them. But just finding out like, what are the ways that we can do that and how to work around it? And that's the trickiest part is you come across this like, ah, I really want to do this. And I think this would be really helpful to this student, but so-and-so is not budging. They don't want to work together. They don't want to try some of these new things. They don't want to incorporate music or whatever that problem is. And just having to then be creative in how you approach that. Because if you then do come in, like a lot of times I'm ready, I'm ready to like come in guns blazing. I'm like, let me tell you. And I (laughs) step back. I'm like, okay, they're not going to like, they're not going to respond to that. This is not going to go over well. Then they're not going to like me and we're not going to get anywhere. Now there are times when I do draw a line and I'm like, okay, maybe you won't like me, but now for the benefit of the student, I'm doing this and I'm going to tell you how it is. And that's, that's just, that's it. But first, (laughs) I want to also be your friend and build a bridge, have this connection, and then we'll go from there. And doing things slowly, starting more with them, even like an 80-20, giving them 80% of the control and me trying to like hop in with a few things. And then starting to, it's almost like, (laughs) it's it's such a bad way to explain it. I think the only way I can come up with is like, like stroking their ego and, (laughs) and it's not, not so much that is, it's just like, they just don't understand yet. And you just got to get to the place when they do understand. And that can be really tricky and it can take some time. But then once they do, it's like, bing, 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 bing. Another light bulb moment. More light bulbs. And it's then like even more magic happens and the student is getting more of the help and the support that they need throughout the school day as opposed to the 15 to 60 minutes I'm there with them a week. Yep. So that that's a lot of the big stuff. And there's of course other, I mean, if you're moving around a lot, schedules are a headache, but schedules can be a headache anywhere you go. Yeah. And just navigating the IEP process can be a big struggle and just the language and assessments and all of those like nitty gritty things and things that are really specific to the schools, which is why, like, if you're new to this, spend some time getting that information because it's yeah. really going to help make things a lot smoother the further along you go and the more time you spend in the schools. Definitely. And those are a lot of those nitty gritty things are not things that we are taught. You just pick them up from clinical experiences or internships or just as you go in your career. Yep. And you're just kind of left to figure them out for yourself. So, yeah, those are all really, um, really valuable little nuggets there. That's awesome. So as we're kind of wrapping up our conversation today, um, I want to ask one final question, which is what is... Maybe one of your go-to, um, like, intervention, songs, activity, aspects, instrument, or something. So one thing that you have found to be really effective in working with your students. I mean, this could be, like, a sensory-based thing or 
just like what is one thing and I know there's no one size fits all you can't just like <laughs> copy paste copy paste copy paste but what's something that you found to be really effective I do a lot of sensory regulation when especially particularly for school settings because they're around a yes. lot of sensory overload all day oh, long yeah. classrooms are just busy for all kids, yeah. not just like some of the kids I'm working with, for like literally everyone. Like sometimes I spend and enough the staff, time and the teachers yeah, and somebody, you. Like, yeah, it's like I spend an hour in a classroom and I'm like, I need a break. I'm a lot going on yeah. here. I'm not used yeah. to this. So <laughs> spending a lot of time with sensory regulation, and I love doing that. Like finding ways to identify like what their needs are. I have like a body check-in song that I love using. But also using drumming or body percussion, just a different way to do that. Because a lot of times in classrooms, teachers and other therapists will use like deep pressure or different tactile, like like uh, scratching arms or hands, squeezing hands, um, playing with like different fidget things. But yeah. they don't use drums and they don't use different percussive music and so I love starting with some sensory activities that they're not that just not like not commonplace so we're meeting their sensory need in a different way and then also augmenting some of the sensory stuff that they do already augmenting with songs or just like structured music experiences that will also give them like deep pressure or light pressure or spinning or jumping, whatever kind of sensory that they like enjoy and that their body needs. Um, and really anything with drums. Drums is one of, are like one of my favorite instruments to use because they're so versatile and maybe like don't think that they're versatile. And if you're sitting there thinking, what is this lady talking about? Like, you can only do one thing with drums or maybe two things with drums. Sit down, pull out a drum, and see how many ways you can use it. And then get back to me on that because <laughs> there I I just I love drums. I think I don't think I could like almost do a session ever without drums. I mean I could, but I don't want to. <laughs> Yeah, that is a yeah that is a great clinical challenge to leave our listeners with this week. So per Haley's challenge, sit down with a drum and list out all of the ways that you can come up with using that drum. Um, I that is a great way to like maybe reinvent the wheel if you feel like you need to do that or kind of rethink what you're already doing every day because it's so easy to get stuck in a rut and be like oh I have this one drumming song that I use with everyone and yeah get creative get out of that creative rut so that is something I'm gonna do that this week I need to sit down and take that I'm gonna take your I'm gonna take on your challenge Haley do it do it tell me what you come up with (laughs) <laughs> I will. I will. We can we can swap ideas about it. But Haley, thank you so much for your time. This was such a fun conversation. I just love the energy and the experience and the inspiration and the creativity that you bring to giving song. And I am so excited that our listeners get to um, 
meet you, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> through, uh, at least through the sound of your voice. Um, you just, yeah, you bring so much to our team here and so much to your clients and your work and all of your work with uh, Music Therapy Made Simple and um, just so many good things happening at Giving Song and and with with you. So thank you for your time. Um, thank you for thank you for joining us. I hope this is not the last time that we hear from you, <laughs> but um, we just have so much good stuff going on. So with that, um, you can find all of our show notes and resources and links at www.musictherapyandbeyond.com. Uh, listeners, feel free to reach out to us at musictherapyandbeyond.gmail.com and make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook so that you're not missing any of our exciting updates because we have more coming down the pike that we cannot wait to share with you. Um, exactly, but you have to stay tuned to find out. And th- yeah, we've got some really exciting big projects that we are working up. Uh, We're cooking up something good, so stick around. Thank you to you, Haley, and to all of our listeners for the work that you do in all the places that you do it. Bye.